0: have that passage open before you. We will read it as we go along. But today I want to answer that simple question. Why should I live a holy life? I think this is a serious question that we all ask in our lives as Christians. I approach this question not to rebuke someone but to encourage a serious Christian who looks around and sees everyone cheating and you ask if I need to be honest then I am going to lose how can I compete in this world when everybody is Cutting corners. Everybody's deceiving one another. How can I remain pure and honest? So there's that struggle. And also for Christians who are discouraged in thinking, I've obeyed the Word of God, and what did I get? Rejection. People ridiculing me not being promoted and you see the wicked prosper. So, you ask yourself, what is the point? After all this, I try to obey God, try to live a clean and honest, good life. But rather than rewarding me, it seems like God has forgotten about me. God doesn't reward me. Rather, these wicked people are prospering. So what's going on? Maybe God is not alive. Maybe God has forgotten about about me. So I've been thinking about this question. How should I answer this question? Last Sunday, I have given you a quote from Calvin. And you will hear a lot of Calvin Because, as I've been saying, I've been trying to read him again, seriously. And he said in Book 2, he says this, If believers fix their eyes on the present condition of the world, they will be grievously tempted to believe that with God, integrity has neither favor nor reward. And he says, we learn from the Holy Fathers of the Old Testament, even they knew that in this world, God seldom or never gives his servants the fulfillment of what is promised them. So look, heavenward, that's what he says. As long as we fix our eyes on the present condition of the world, and you lived a good life, holy life, And you witness that God does not reward you, then we come to that conclusion. As Calvin says, integrity has neither favor nor reward, and people give up unless you look upward, heavenward. So, remind you, I'm reminding you of what we talked about last week, and using 119th Psalm, the first. Eight verses. Let me give you a few reasons why we should live holy lives before God. If you look at verse one, says this: "How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of Yahweh, law of Yahweh." will basically mean to us the Word of God. And it says, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of Yahweh. So we learn from this verse, the first and main reason for us to walk in the integrity of our hearts is none other than God's own approval and the pronouncement of His own blessings to the people who walk in the law of Yahweh. Why should I live a holy life? Because God approves them. God says, How blessed are those whose way." is blameless, who walk in the law of Yahweh. It is His approval that we are living for. So when you are tempted in thinking that what is the point, there's no reward. We go to His word and we find God saying, you are blessed. You walk in the word of God. Do not give up. Because he approves it, he attaches his blessings upon, upon them. So how blessed the blessed are those. And immediately we think about Psalm 1, very first Psalm. And NASB and LSB, they are the only ones who translate blessed are those, or how blessed. But if you will recall, Psalm 1, verse 1, it starts this way. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. There is that contrast between the blessed people and the wicked people. If you read carefully, the wicked are many. There are many people. They are in plural. And they are busy, conniving together. But the blessed is in singular. Basically telling us, narrow is the gate, narrow is the way, and only a few will find the narrow gate and path. The world will do what they've been doing, but this blessed person in singular will not be part of them. And unlike the wicked, this singular person In Psalm 1, he is stationary. He's not moving. And what differentiates him from the wicked is his attitude toward the law of God. Not how much he knows, not how moral he is, how upright he is. All of that obviously should follow him. But in verse 2, What distinguishes him, the blessed person, from the wicked, the rest of the people, is his attitude toward God's word. And he says this, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That's the difference. If you look at today, in this psalm, 119th psalm, the entire, this is the longest chapter in the Bible. 172 verses. Each stanza starts with A, B, C, D in Hebrew alphabet. And it is about his relationship with God in his word. That's the theme of this psalm. And in the first stanza that we are going to read, God's word is expressed in this way. Verse 1, the law. Verse 2, his testimonies. Verse 4, his precepts. Verse 5, Your statutes. Verse 6. Your commandments. So he's using different words to describe the totality of God's word. So being a Christian and pursuing the way of the Lord as it is taught in his word are not to be separated. The whole motivation to live a holy life and to persevere in it. They do not come from within us. There's nothing good within us. Nor does it happen by accident or chance, by chance. It comes from meditating upon the word of God. So when you are asking that question, why should I live a holy life? What is the point? Once you are asking those questions, probably it is because the, we, the link between you and the Word of God is loosened. You are not spending as much time as you should in the Word. Because that blessed person delights in the Word. It gives you the motivation and when you feel weak, and when you, when you uh, start doubting things, then you need to go back to the Word to, once again, to, to feel secure in, in His Word. So check your link between yourself and the Word of God. So when you read 119th Psalm, you hear a lot about Him praising the Word. And we expect him to do that. But as I've been meditating on this section, I want to remind you this fact. While the Word of God is important, while studying the Word and meditating and reading books, they are all important, I will never forget what I've learned and heard from Tony Evans when I was young. And I think I've said it a couple of times already. He said, the Bible is like the menu in a restaurant. Nobody goes to the restaurant, a restaurant, and read the menu, study the menu, and meditate upon the menu. Menu is basically to order a dish. Let us not forget that. The Word of God is there so that we could have communion with God. Word in and of itself is not the end. Through the Word, we get to know Him better, Triune God. As you spend time in the Word, make it your aim to have better or more intimate relationship with the living God. That's the point. point is not, extolling the virtue of the word. But you will see that in the Psalm 119 and other psalms. Why? Because they are still in the Old Testament time. Scholars say 119th Psalm was written at the time of that second temple period. So only thing they were hoping for was the word. But what do we have? We have Christ who came. Christ who was raised. That's the difference. they could only hope for these things in his word. But for Christians, through the word, we have that clear substance of all these things that they were merely hoping for. So I want, I want you to, to remember that. We, have, we must have far more confidence that through the word, we have this living relationship with God. So why should I? Because God attaches his blessing, blessings upon them. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of Yahweh. Look at verse 2. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies. They seek him with all their heart. A couple of things here. Verse 1 said how blessed and verse 2 again says how blessed and one commentator says this double blessing is there just to make sure that you understood that God attached his blessings upon those people. To help our weak faith, double confirmation, how blessed are those who walk? In the law of Yahweh, in verse 2, how blessed are those who observe his testimonies just so that we could be convinced from his word that you are blessed as you do that. In the second half of verse 2, it says, they seek him with all their heart. Seeking him and obeying or here observing His testimonies are basically not to be separated. So when you are in the, in the Word and full of the Holy Spirit, you are living for God. You are seeking Him with all your heart. As long as that is secure, then you are not asking that question, why should I live a holy life? But what happens? Once, once that aim is blurred, When you are no longer looking at God as your object of your life, as soon as that is replaced, and no Christian, no sane Christian, will replace that right away. But one by one, little by little, you ask these questions and you invite those doubting voices into your head. Sooner or later, you will find. On the throne, something else is sitting and not God. So, what he's saying is, make it your aim. Look into your your scope, telescope, and see God as your full object of your life, the purpose of your life. They seek him with all their heart, and they are the ones who will observe his testimonies. So if you are asking that kind of question, then Examine. What are you aiming for? Is that really as you say it is? Is it God as you say? Or is it something else? And honestly, when you ask that honest question, you will find that has been replaced. Let's move on. Verse 3. The blessed people, they also do not walk unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. I mean, there's nothing new in this, correct? But when you put one, two, three together, what it is saying is this. Remember when we were reading Ligonier or Christology statement, it went something like this. We affirm this, but we deny them. That's how church used to confess we affirm this, but they do not simply say, this is what we believe. But they will turn around and say, we deny that. Just to make it clear. It's like this here. Verse 1 and 2 is about blessing. Those people who obey God, God's way, God's law. But just to make sure, verse 3 says, they also do not walk unrighteousness. It's It's complete. Why is this important? Because I have sinned, and I am sure, you have too. We have seen so many people who do, do two things at the same time. And we are confused. They are holy people, they are men of God, women of God, they obey God, but at the same time, they do the work of unrighteousness. And we, we scratch our head, and, and that, that obscures the glory of God. So positively we seek God. Negatively speaking, we do not walk on righteousness. That's very important. Because the walk of unrighteousness does two things. Your relationship with God is weakened and you ruin yourself. You maintain that relationship with God, yet you walk on righteousness. You are inviting, basically, the evil into your life. You ruin your life, your career, and your reputation, your family, etc. 110th verse says this, The wicked have laid a snare for me, Yet I have not wandered from your precepts. That's right. There are people who want your life to be ruined. I am sure you have plenty of those people. But you do not walk righteousness so that you do not go astray. You stay in the middle. And you protect yourself. So first reason blessings of God. Second reason, double blessings upon your life. Third reason might be to honor God and so as not to ruin your life. Verse 4, if you look at verse 4, you have commanded us, commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Why should I live a holy life Because God commanded us. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Simple as that. There's no arguing. Why? Why should I? Because God said so. God commanded you to do that. To keep his precepts diligently. Verse 5, let's go to verse 5. This is kind of his prayer. Oh, may my ways be established to keep your statutes. Normally we say, if I keep your word, then let my ways be king's highway. If I do this, you do that for me. That's how normally people think. If God live a holy life, it better be, my life better be a straight path. So we expect such a reward from God. But this man, this person who's writing this song, he's reversing the order. Oh, may my ways be established in order to keep your statutes. I wish that my ways be, may be directed. So that I could have full strength to obey God. Direct me. Prepare me, my life, so that I could obey. That's, that's his prayer. And that's something that you could pray as well. This is a real Christian, if I could put it that way. This is a real believer. And he is a seasoned believer, too. Because in this prayer, we all, we all know. We do not put our trust in our resolution. I resolve to obey. My resolution is nothing. Your resolution is really nothing. So in his humility, this person is praying, I cannot keep up. I cannot remain steady in obeying God. So God... Direct my ways so that I, the weak person, could obey you. So make that into your prayer as well. Let's move on to verse 6. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I think what he is saying is something like what Apostle Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 12. For our proud confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially towards you. When he says, I will not be ashamed, in verse 6, when I look upon all your commandments, what he's saying is, my conscience is clear. It does not condemn me. So it gives him what? Confidence. In confidence in drawing near to God. In confidence in worshipping God. So why should I live a holy life? In like verse 6 sense. To live a fearless life. You are fearless before man. Because you know that you have obeyed God. As much as you can. As far as you can. You are able to obey God. So there's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear from God. Nothing to fear from man. That confidence, where does it come from? That boldness, where does it come from? From clear conscience. And clear conscience comes from obeying God's word as much as you can, as far as you can. Not sinless. But when you live such a life, then you could be a a powerful weapon in the hands of God. Look at verse 7. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. Why should I live a holy life? Another reason is so that you could worship Him better. He says, I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. What hinders your worship? It's your sin. That's what is bringing you down. You are not going upward, but it is dragging you down the weight of sin. So this person who is living such a life, praying that God will clear all these roadblocks so he could truly fully obey God. He says, I shall give thanks to you. So clear conscience gives you confidence. And that confidence together will give you the thanksgiving in your hearts. Joy. Where does that joy come from? Knowing that my life is pleasing to God. How do you please God? By knowing and obeying God's will. That's how you know. It's not your feeling. We obey And as you obey, there is a great joy and great, great thanksgiving in you. That's why when you serve God, oftentimes it gives you more reasons to praise God and give thanks and glory to God. It's not easy, it's hard, but because you have obeyed God, there is joy and that boosts your worship. That's the reason why. The last one. Look at verse 8. I shall keep your statues. Do not forsake me utterly. I shall keep your statues. And why would he end in fear? Do not forsake me utterly. At first glance, that last sentence doesn't make sense. Because we know that our salvation is secure. But, if you are those who are more advanced in your sanctification, we come to realize how fearful God is and how wicked we are, and this is the natural response. So second part of that last verse, you will understand. If you are serious about that first part, I shall keep your statues. Then you understand the fear of God and you pray to God, do not forsake me utterly. Even if that doesn't mean losing my salvation, what he's fearing is by not keeping your word, I encounter God's Scolding, fatherly displeasure, and he does not want that. So he's he's uttering these words before God. So let this be the reason for you that you resolve to live a life and continue in it. Do not let those questions come into your head. If it does, then you need to fortify yourself with the word of God. This is the shield, shield of faith. Do not let those darts and arrows come into your heart. You need to defend yourself. And these are the reasons why you should and you would want to live a holy life before God and let these words come true in your life. Let's pray.